But no, it's good to see you. My, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Steve. Uh, I'm married to Tammy. And we have the privilege of helping to lead uh, this thing we call Central Vineyard. As Kate mentioned, we're one church that meets in four different locations. Uh, we have five services on a Sunday morning, which keeps us busy, keeps us on our toes. And so uh, we're having a great time in this season and uh, loving what the Lord is doing amongst us. And so... Um, we are in the midst of a teaching series that we've been doing. Uh, we launched a few weeks ago uh, that we're calling Thrive. And uh, really for the, the whole month of January, we're just taking some time to, to think about some different things. And, and the premise of what we're thinking about uh, is, is, is rooted in this scripture, in, in, in Psalm 24, verse 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That all that we produce, all that we consume, all that we have, it belongs, it belongs to God. That's, that's the idea that we're trying to press into. It's all his. Everything we, everything we touch, everything we see as gain in this life, it's all on loan to us from God himself. And as a result of that, it's this, this understanding that you and I are called to be faithful stewards of the resources that God gives us. If you was around last week, um, you would have heard Paul talk a little bit about how do we steward our time? You know, time's precious, isn't it? Uh, we only have a a finite amount of time. And when you take off sleeping and working and um, doing other things in the bathroom, you know, um, you know, we only have so much time. What does it mean to steward our time? Next week, if you're going to be here, we're going to be talking about what it means to steward our power, what it means to steward the things that we have responsibility for, the, the gifts, the talents, the, the ways in which we use our abilities for the sake of others. And so we're going to be looking at that. But this week, and maybe I got the short straw, um, um, we're going to be talking about uh, how we steward our money. How we steward uh, the financial resources that God has given us. Now, if I'll be honest, out of all the talks I could give to us as a church, um, talking about money isn't that exciting. Um, it isn't that exciting. Maybe part of this is because we live in a particular moment, don't we? We live in a particular moment in history. We live in this post-financial crash Britain. Um, and uh, no longer is there's this, this perception that every generation is just going to become more prosperous. Uh, there was a belief, wasn't there, that, that as the generations went on, we just become more prosperous. But actually, since uh, 2008 and the financial crash, the reality is, is that some of us uh, uh, actually experience more hardship than ever. Um, and so we live in this post-financial crash Britain. And we all, we're also heading towards becoming a post-Brexit Britain. Uh, did you know that? 
It's not long now, um, apparently. Um, so we, we're also heading towards that. And the reality is, for most of us, there is this sense of financial instability, that we're not quite sure of what's going to happen ahead. We're not quite sure how much security we have. We're kind of, it kind of feels like we're heading into the unknown. And there is this sense that actually um, there are ramifications to be faced uh, in the coming, in coming months that will they'll possibly impact us on a financial level. And so it's understandable that we don't want to talk about it. Why? Why would we talk about that? You know, let's just stick our heads in the sand. Let's just ignore the reality of, of what some of us are thinking. I guess another reason talking about money isn't exciting is because it's a subject that we don't like to talk about in church. Uh, we don't like to talk about money in church. And, you know, the, the subject of money is a very personal issue, isn't it? We talk about our finances as our personal finances. We, we don't like to talk about those things. Maybe it's because we're British and maybe it's because we're Christians, but we don't like to talk about it in, in, in the church. That Some of you in this room would have me talk about anything else other than money. Please don't talk about money. I also think uh, church and money has a little bit of a bad press. Um, we've all seen um, the church and money and financial abuses that take place. We've all seen the man in the, the white suit who, who just says, you know, fill in your credit card details and God will bless you. Uh, we've all seen that, haven't we? And that's just horrible. It's just, it's just horrible. It's just a horrible thing to see. Uh, and so there's this horrible image that we created. There's this horrible culture that we sometimes create around money uh, in the church that is actually just unhelpful. And so with that in mind, with the fact that, that we live in this cultural climate um, and, and, and this sense of uncertainty, with the, with the personal nature that money has, uh, and, and with some of the um, bad examples we've seen in the church, it kind of makes talking about money just that little bit harder. Maybe that's why I got the short straw. Uh, it makes it a little bit harder. So, But the truth is, as much as we struggle with this subject, as we read through the scriptures, we begin to understand that the Bible, significant things to say about the subject of money. There's some significant things to say about what we do with our money, how we use the resources at our disposal. Did you know that there are over 2,300 verses in the scriptures that talk about being generous and good stewards of our resources? One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke is about money. Eleven out of Jesus' 39 parables address the subject of Money. The truth is, Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell combined. The kingdom of God is the only thing Jesus talks about more than money. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, despite our hang-ups, despite how difficult we, we sometimes find 
this subject. The Bible has a lot to say about money. And the thing I realize is, is that the scriptures, what the scriptures have to say about money can be quite liberating. But they can also be challenging, can't they? Uh, that as we read through the scriptures and we read about how we should do, what we should do with our resources, then there's a, there's a sense of liberation, but there's a sense of challenge. You see, our culture's relationship with money is kind of out of whack, isn't it? It's, it's kind of skewed in, in many ways. Most of us live with a sense of financial instability that primarily comes from the last two decades of what some call a credit culture, where, where credit was made available uh, to everyone. We all had easy access to credit. Everyone was encouraged to spend, 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 and worry about it later. You know, you might win the lottery. You can pay it off then. Uh, you might get a better job, uh, and, and you should be able to deal with it then. I came across some statistics from a, a website called themoneycharity.org.uk, and they, they say the average household in the UK, including a mortgage, is around £60,000 uh, in, in debt, uh, carries at least £60,000 worth of debt. On average, if you was only to pay the minimum payment on your credit card, that card with the added interest would take you 26 years and seven months to pay off. So if you're only paying the minimum payment on, I don't know, £2,500 on a credit card, it will take you 26 years and seven months to pay off. Citizens Advice Bureau in England and Wales dealt with 2,608 debt issues every day last year. Every day. 336 people a day were declared insolvent or bankrupt. And get this, from July to September 2019. That is the equivalent to one person every four minutes and 17 seconds. No wonder we feel uncomfortable talking about money. So our goal as followers of Jesus, I believe, is to reshape our thinking about money, especially what we do with the money, our money, and how we steward it. And so to steward our resources well, to steward our money well, then I believe we need to learn to make the right investments. We need to make the right investments. And, and those investments aren't, you know, putting money into my bank account uh, or anything like that, but making the right investments. And, and we make the right investments in, I think, two clear ways uh, that we see in the scriptures. Firstly, by investing in our own maturity. Now, as believers, you see, to be stewards of the resources God gives us means that we need to handle it. We, um, you know, just living blindsidedly, just just hoping uh, everything's going to be okay and it's going to work out, won't work. That we, we have to mature in the way that we handle our finances. The second way that we make an investment is learning to invest in what God's doing by investing in his kingdom, by practicing this thing that we call generosity. What does it mean for us to be generous with the, the resources that we have? So that's what I want to do this morning. I just want to unpack those two thoughts. 
One of Jesus' most famous sermons in the scriptures is the Sermon on the Mount, found in the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to pick up in that sermon in Matthew chapter 6. If you were at our big church celebration a few weeks ago, we touched on this then. Matthew chapter 6, and verse, pick it up in verse 19. And this is Jesus speaking, I say, his Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's important to note here that, as we often say, when the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, that we're not referring to some place that we go to when we die. That's part of it, but it's not the totality of it. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is upon you. That's our understanding, isn't it? That the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is actually a rule and not just a realm. It's a rule and not just a realm. That the kingdom age has broken in to our present reality. And the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is wherever God is king. Wherever God's will is done, where he gets to rule, the kingdom of God is when God's will is done. That's what it means. And so Jesus isn't saying it's wrong for us to own things. It's wrong for us to own a home or enjoy the good things of life. He's simply saying, don't put everything on them. You know, don't place everything on them. Because if that you hold them up against eternity, if the treasure we build in this life, if we hold it up against eternity, it ends up equaling little eternal value. You know, those things that we so often treasure in this life can be here today and they can be gone again tomorrow, can't they? (laughs) That one day we have them in our hands and the next they're gone. And Jesus says, don't put your trust in those things. Don't trust in those things. He says, instead, place your hope, your treasure in the activity of God's kingdom. Put your trust in those things, on the things that God is doing on the earth, those kingdom things that begin now and go on into eternity. That we make the investment now, but it lives on into eternity. And Jesus makes it very clear, the things that have our focus are the things that have our hearts. The things that we focus on is where our hearts will lead to. And he goes on to illustrate this. Verse 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what we focus on What we put our trust in makes us who we become. I think Jesus is is saying if we focus too much 
on the wrong things, if we focus too much on the wrong treasure, and in this case, if we focus too much on uh, money, um, when money's gone, the tendency is for everything to fall apart, isn't it? Because we place our trust in the wrong things. We focus on the wrong treasure. And then Jesus finishes up in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despised the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And as many of you know, in some older translations of the Bible, money is actually given a personality. It's, it's given a name where it says you cannot serve God and mammon, which is the, the God of, of money. There's something about money, isn't there, that is more than just something we use to make a transaction. It's, it's more than something we just love to spend on whatever it might be. Money has a controlling factor in our lives. Money has an ability to grip our hearts. It's, it fights for our attention. It, it goes after our affection. Money uh, wants to be our God. Money wants to be our master. And Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You'll either serve God or mammon. But you can't have both. You can't have both. And so if stewarding our money means investing in our own maturity, that's what we're saying, aren't we? We want to invest in our own maturity. Then let me just ask you uh, something. What place does money have in your life right now? Think about it for a moment. Has money got control of you? Does it have a grip of your heart? Do you chase after money? Do you control money or does money control you? Let me put it another way. Do you spend money in an unaccountable way? Or do you spend money with accountability? Or to put it more simply, do you have a budget? Do you have a budget or do you just get by hoping to make it to the end of the month? Because lots of people live that way, don't they? I'm just going to make it to the end of the month and just I'll put my card in the machine and just hope something comes out at the end of it. Dave Ramsey, who's a financial guru in the States, I love listening to his podcast because Americans are insane. Okay, look up the Dave Ramsey show. Uh, But he says this, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And many of us live our lives wondering where it went, don't we? we? We live our lives thinking, where did that go? I'm sure there was money in my account the other day. Where did it go? And so to grow in our stewardship involves making the right investments. And that investment starts with our own maturity. And for some of us, that means we have to take a step to take control, to take control of what we have. And if that's you, I just want to challenge you this morning. 
don't be British. Okay, don't be British. There are some of us in this room who don't know how to budget because no one has ever showed us. No one's ever showed us. Like, you know, if you've got this much coming in and you spend this much, you're going to run out. We just don't get it. Um, and, and it takes someone else to sit down with us and say, this is how you do it. Can I encourage you? Don't suffer in silence. You know, this is a, this is a family. Find someone you can trust. Find someone you can say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. I really need to know how to budget. I really need to know how to steward this well. Maybe you could come on our next Cat Money course um, that we run periodically uh, through the year and become the kind of person who learns some new skills uh, to be the kind of person who handles the resources that God has given them and they, you handle it well. And, you know, living with a budget isn't reserved for those who don't have much. It isn't reserved for those who are struggling with debt. Living on a budget um, can apply to those who have lots as well, doesn't it? You can have lots of money and be out of control. Yeah? Um, you, can, you can have wealth and not really worry about money and be out of control. So as we step into this new year, as we think about what it means to thrive and steward our money, make the right investment. I guess what I'm saying, and please hear me when I say this, I guess what I'm saying is is some of us in the room need to grow up. We need to grow up. And and we need to suddenly act like an adult when it comes to the resources that we have at our disposal. And I'm not trying to be horrible. I'm not trying to pick on you or anything like that. The reason why I can say we need to grow up is because I've had to grow up. (laughs) I've had to grow up. I've been there, flying by the seat of my pants. But flying by the seat of my pants with my money doesn't work. I realise that. And so we have to grow up. So let's make the right investments. Let's start by investing in our own maturity uh, when it comes to money. You see, when when we begin to handle our money in a mature way, it enables us to invest in what God is doing. It enables us to invest uh, in, in, in God's kingdom purposes. It enables us to be generous with with what we have you know when when our finances are out of control uh when we're not managing them well it robs us of the opportunity uh to 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 be generous uh you know to be generous according to the bible is actually a gift of grace something we receive the uh, the grace of giving um if you've got your bible why don't you flip over uh, to Second Corinthians chapter 8. And it says this, this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, now brothers and sisters, verse 1, we want you, want you to know about the grace that God had given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own 
They urgently pleaded with us with the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then, by the will of God, also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he has earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in love we have kindled in you, see that you excel in this grace of giving. And so Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and the Corinthian church, the church in Corinth is this church that carries with it lots of wealth. And he says, you know what, those Macedonians that got nothing, they outgive you. They've been so generous, and I want you to take their example. I want you to be as generous as them. I want you to do the same. And being generous with our resources, being generous with our time, as we've thought about with our energy, with our money, it's not something God imposes on us. It's an act of grace. It's a gift that God gives us, a gift, a grace gift of generosity. And so I've just got three things that I think being generous is important to say. Being generous is who we are. As God's children, we are recipients of God's grace, aren't we? We've received God's grace. God has, by his grace, he's changed the course of our lives. He's freed us from slavery. He's he's taken on himself, the punishment that we deserve. God is the only judge, and it's by his grace that he's declared you and I innocent in his sight. He's given us access to his presence. Those of us who are in, our, in this room who have given our lives to Jesus are recipients of his grace. And the entire Bible tells us as recipients of his grace, we're designed to be containers of grace. We're designed to be containers of grace. Rather, the the grace we receive is meant to be given. We're not meant to be cul-de-sacs of grace or dead ends of grace, as if grace was an end in itself for me. But actually, the grace that we received is to be given to others. We're to be like pipelines of God's grace. In other words, God's gra- the grace of God is, is meant to flow through us to others. It's not just there for our benefit that we, we get to give this stuff away. And our experience is that generosity is given to us so we can give it to others. We get to give. We get to give. That, that's always been the way. God's blessings and gifts come to us so we can give. We don't get to keep it. It's not ours to keep. And that's what Jesus teaches us about generosity. It flows from this assumption that your life and my life has been changed in such a way. We've received God's grace and the orientation of our life has been changed as a result. Uh, and, and that affects the way we handle this thing we call money. It means we do it differently, doesn't it? It means we behave differently with money. Jesus says this back in Matthew 6, in verse 31, he says, Do not worry, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus is saying, as God's children, 
who've received his grace, we're no longer to live like those around us. We're no longer to treat uh, things like our finances the way other people treat them. We're no longer to run after things uh, like other people run after them, which typically is more things and more stuff, isn't it? That's, that's, that's the typical measure. We don't have to hold on to what we receive tightly. Instead, as God's children, we're called to represent him to the rest of the world. And he is a generous God. He's generous beyond measure, isn't he? He's, he's more generous than anyone we know. And therefore, we're called to be generous as well. Being generous shouldn't be an obligation or a burden. Being generous isn't some way of paying God back for his generosity. But actually, being generous is good for you. Do you know that? It's, it's good for you. Listen to some promises from the scriptures. Proverbs 11 Uh, 24 and 25, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. Proverbs 22, 9, the generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. Proverbs 28, 27, those who give to the poor will lack nothing but those who close their eyes to them will receive many curses. You know, we're repeatedly told in the scriptures to be generous, and it's good for us. It has an effect. Acts 20, verse 35, the Lord Jesus himself is more blessed to give than to receive. The researcher Stephen Post, he wrote a book. This is the title. See if you've, uh, you might have read this. Why Good Things Happen to Good People, How to Live Long, Healthy, Happier Lives by the Simple Act of Giving. Anyone read that snappy book? Um, But in his book, he cites a long list of scientific uh, and widely accepted studies that uh, point towards the benefits of generosity through the simple act of giving. In his book, he quotes one study that looked at preteens who were first surveyed in the 1920s. And these preteens, they were ones that displayed generosity and an attitude towards giving. And as they grew up, it was noted that they had lower rates of heart disease and depression than those preteens who are disposition to be more selfish. Uh, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? He cites another study in Harvard University that shows that people's immune system was strengthened simply by watching a film of Mother Teresa, who lived a generous, generous giving life. They've done MRIs on people and have discovered that part of, their, part of the brain that releases those feel-good chemicals lights up when we think about giving. Hormone levels tied to compassion and peace rise when people exhibit generous behavior. In fact, they've done some studies on people. I don't know how true this is, but I'm going to say it anyway. With, they've done some, it just sounded good. Um, they did some, they did some studies with people with wounds and found people with wounds, with physical wounds, healed quicker when they engaged with acts of generosity. That's crazy, isn't it? It might not be true. Um, that's crazy (laughs) so being generous is good for you and we know that don't we we don't need some embellished story on wikipedia to tell us that you know but 
Being generous is good for you. The final point is this. Being generous helps you to discover that everything belongs to God. Right back where we started. Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Another example of this is found in, you don't need to turn there, First Chronicles 29, where King David makes this wonderful declaration as the completion of the temple is taking place just before he dies. And he, he makes this wonderful declaration. I haven't got time to read it to us now, but, uh, you know, I just encourage you to just read that again when you get home. And four times in this passage, King David repeatedly says, everything belongs to you. It all belongs to you, God. And that's what the scriptures tell us, doesn't it? That God is the owner of everything. And last time I looked at everything, it means everything. God owns everything. That everything that comes from God is good, and yet he owns it all. It, it, it all belongs to him. How do we become generous with what we have? It's by reminding ourselves that it all belongs to him. Our jobs, our bank accounts, our wealth, our security, it's all his. And he's given it to us to manage on his behalf. So we can use it and enjoy it for his good purposes. It's, but it's his. You see, a steward is different to an owner, isn't it? An owner says, this is mine and I'll give you some. And I'll give you some if I believe that it's to be reasonable or logic, a logical choice to make. So if it's reasonable, I'll give you some. If it's logical, I might give you some. But this is mine and it's my choice. Whereas a steward says, this is all yours. How would you like me to use it? How would you like me to put it to use? And so as we... Think about what it means to thrive in 2020. Well, one of the ways that we can do that is to learn to steward our money well by learning to make the right investments, an investment in our maturity, our attitude towards money, but also an investment in what God's doing by learning to be generous with what he's placed in our hands. So if you're able to, why don't you quickly stand and we'll pray.